Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Good morning and welcome to the Jesus and Paula show, the Paula Price show, back in the day, back in the day, which is like more than 10 years, I guess. Well, what qualifies to be back in the day? We're just going to say more than 10 years. Dr. Price had a television show called Let's Just Talk Where God Makes Sense. And I think that tagline, Where God Makes Sense, still applies to everything that we do here right now. Our mission in life is to make God make sense to us, to fallen humanity. He always has made sense to himself. God makes sense to God. But we teach a very confusing Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, first matters of business one. Today you can get 15% off of all of the inventory in, on the e-store. In the e-store, on the e-store. In. In the e-store. It's there, thank you. It's where you can have that 15% off when you shop you can enter the code when you're checking out Jesus and follow up. And that will give you 15, not 5-0, 15% off of whatever you're purchasing in the store. So I encourage you to shop until you virtually drop and until midnight tonight. Okay, this is Thursday. What is this? This is Thursday, April 29th. If you're watching this and it's Friday, no. Okay, is it up here? No. What's it sound like? Pausing for change. The power kept going out, yeah. and there was somebody backstage tripping, pulling, pulling, uh, pulling out. Of, I mean, it was like, it, oh yeah, it was so crazy. <laughs> I'm like, power keeps going down. There's always something logical. Time. All right, we're back. Everything is powered up. 
thing is powered up. You said a power situation. That's fine. It's, it's resolved. Moving forward, 15% off in the e-store. Jesus and Paula is your coupon code. Now, Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute is, yes, we are back. We are back. Thank you, Lord. We are back. All right. Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus and Paula show. Yes, that too. The Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, June 16th through the 19th. Come on out to open Oklahoma. Land of the free. Home of the brave. Listen, our mask mandate, not that it meant much to us here, but it is expiring this weekend. And the mayor is also writing an executive order so employees in restaurants do not have to wear masks as well. So while some people are rolling back into bondage, Oklahoma is free, home on the range. We're no longer just the buffalo roam, but we too are free and last. <laughs> I am blending together so many things right now. <laughs> so come on out in June. If you have not been to a place that's open, you might be in a little bit of shock when you come here, but it's all right. Just come on out. People do. They're traumatized. They're like, oh, my goodness. You know, when mask people aren't dropping dead, they're not falling over. What's going on? And then they have this mask under the chin, and then it's in the pocket, and then you don't see it at all. They're smiling, and you see the whole face, all makeup, and all. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So come on out in June. Now, what's the theme? God starts everything with a prophet. Are you ready for God's future? Prophets, you're up. That's what Dr. Price said. Prophets, you're up. And so we'll be addressing how and why God relies on prophets for his initiative, bringing your prophet's mantle to step into your office. Step into the prophet. Okay. <laughs> prophesy, prophecy, prophesiers, the truth about divine communication. Ooh, 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 you mean to tell me that a psychic is not really a prophet that's just not saved? No. That's why they're called a psychic. And we might, might find out why. I'm just throwing that out there. That's not a guaranteed topic, okay? So don't hold Dr. Price to that. Separating the false from the true. Can you tell the difference between prophecy and divination? Ooh, I'm already excited. Are you excited? Why should you come to get answers from God's actions and intent from yesterday and today and for tomorrow? Too many times we really have turned the prophetic into a self-serving institution. I'm going to go to a prophet when I need to know something about me. And not even for the purposes of what you're supposed to be doing in God many times, but what about this in my life? What about that? Very personal. And we have so much discussion about personal prophecy. But what about God? The Lord did not put the prophetic in the planet for me alone. He actually did it for him. And we happen to be the beneficiaries of it. But that's not the whole point. To learn how, uh, to learn and understand what went wrong and how we got here. That's the question. How did we get here? What is the long-time phrase that we've used? If you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. How did we get here in the body of Christ, in the world, in our country, in the planet? There are things that are legalized, forced down our throats, the norm, especially in the United States, that we would have never. It was in the category of when pigs fly. You know, when pigs fly. This will happen. We're pig fly. And here we are. Pigs still are not flying. 
but a lot of other things aren't. And how did that happen? How did we get here? It wasn't magical. It wasn't, it just, it just happened. I mean, you know, that love. next thing we knew, we looked up and, and no, mm-mm, there is a way to track it. And I know Dr. Paula Price and those speaking at the event will. To course correct God's oldest ministry institution so you benefit from it. Course correction can be a very slow process because actually getting off course can be a slow process. You think you're going straight, don't you? And then you don't realize that you're just kind of slightly veering, slightly veering, slightly veering, until you realize when you're at your destination, it's over here on this jagged rock, and it's not at Paradise Island. But you were sure you were headed toward Paradise Island. But the undercurrent took you over here, or you had to navigate around this, we don't even know what, in the ocean. And the next thing you know, you are not where you thought you were going. So course correction is not the snap of a finger. That's why we have Price University, because in our course correction, hey, enroll in our course for your course correction. Enroll in the classes, because as we straighten out this course, it's not just about turning, turning something around, turning someone around, like making an about space. You have to uh, get into, which is why we'll be discussing all the different layers and nuances and unseen things that caused us to get off course. Well, those have to be fixed. So it's not just a superficial fix, which is typically what we go for, is fixing it superficially, don't we? Well, let's just have three conferences with this, with this theme, and then boom, it's a done deal. Hey, let's get some T-shirts, let's market it, let's have flyers, let's do Facebook Live until we're blue in the face, and then boom, that's just going to be enough. I mean, last year, Dr. Price did like 106 between last year and the beginning of this year, broadcast on being the Lord's apocalyptic elect, dealing with all of the diabolical, demonic activity going on behind the scenes. And guess what? That wasn't enough to course correct the issue. It was an element. It was important. It was essential. But what it takes to do all of that is all of the other things involved. And so, which is why you have to finish what you start. And make sure that you have what it takes to finish. A lot of people can just jump out there on the emotional moment. I'm just going to go live and tell everybody. Well, what are we supposed to do? Well, I don't know. I'm just God's announcer. Okay, you do need people to announce. You need a herald. Somebody needs to sound the alarm. But after the alarm has been sounded, after, what do we do? Who's the military? Who's the security? Who, who are the rebuilders? Who are the architects? Who are the educators? Who are the preachers and the teachers? Where, where are all the elements needed to really, again, not just fix the superficial issue by maybe just switching out some leaders, uh, writing some cool songs, and doing something like that, but get the, something that gets into the systemic root of the issue. And one of the things that we do here, and Dr. Price has done, I remember years ago when she first taught us, she said, but I am systemic, not just systematic going to the root, the issue here, and many times we're dealing with just the fruit and not the root of the issue, dealing with the outcome, trim the tree and do whatever. Okay, that's great. Sometimes, yes, you need to prune, that's in the word of God, you need other things, and then sometimes you have to go straight to the root of it and treat the root system, which will take care of the fruit system, but that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time, and God knows that's a lot of money. Anytime you start dealing in the foundation of anything, it's going to be more costly. 
it's going to be more dangerous. You start messing with the foundation of a building, you better know what you're doing. When the house, the foundation is slipping, when the joists and the braces and all these things are, are going out, you can't just crawl under there and hope. Sometimes you're like, no, we can't crawl because the whole house could fall oh, right on top of you. <clears throat> this this one, one thing that looks like it's this big is holding up the entire institution under this one beam. I mean, I've seen it. They go down, and there they find out everybody's worst nightmare. There's a water leak behind the wall in the foundation, behind whatever. It's been quietly and silently eroding everything that is holding up this beautiful, amazing house. And that's what we're dealing with a lot in the body of Christ. We went aesthetic. Beautiful. Building, hey, we have one now. We don't apologize. Media, yes. All of that's fantastic. But it's not the actual whole point. <laughs> it's, the, it's the house with God needs. It's to show off his greatness. It's to demonstrate his glory. Yes, that's important. But actually what we're producing in the foundation of this is what he's really going after. In this facility, we're having everything examined, every kind of specialist, every person coming in, checking everything under the sun. And we're finding out some interesting things. Huh, this is actually never hung right. <laughs> 25 years ago, it was not done the right way. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. So we're going to have to do what? How much is that going to cost? And what's the priority? I'll find Ownership versus rentership. Hmm. So before you race to God and tell him how ready you are for the big, how ready you are for the masses, count the cost. And this is a real thing. Because a lot of times we, we pressure the Lord and we get all upset and when is it going to be my time and I should be doing this and I should be at that place at a certain whatever. And when you get there, we have seen it time and time and time. People will crumble under the pressure and the responsibility to deliver because it's not just to deliver in that moment. Because that's what people think. I can get up on the stage and sing. I can get up on the stage and teach and preach. I can do that. But it's all of these things in between that that are your responsibility. That's the weight and the pressure that falls on you, especially when you're moving in an office. I remember years ago, and, and I just say that phrase all the time because, well, it's true. Years ago, when Dr. Price was teaching us, and she would say things like, I know you're not ready for high-level leadership because your personal life is already a mess. Wow. I know you can't handle God's people's problems because you can't handle your own. And you just rock because, well, she wasn't wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to argue. I know. No, I know you're not ready to uh, make the body of Christ functional because you're too dysfunctional. You're emotionally unstable, inconsistent. All of these things that you need to be in high-level leadership anywhere. But in the body of Christ, we don't have the option of being standoffish and say, you just take your problems and go home. I'm just here to preach. Part of the job is getting in the guts of the people's lives, the soul, the mess, the ill for deliverance, for healing, for restoration. You can't deliver somebody from a nasty pit without getting dirty on some level. And if you don't have the ability to handle that filth, wash it off, wash it off of you, 
so you don't carry it around to other people or internalize it yourself. There's a lot that goes into this. And so she would tell us, oh, no, you're too unstable to stabilize the body of Christ. She would just make those kind of now obvious statements. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm supposed to stabilize the body? Wait, I'm sorry. I think I misunderstood this whole thing. Again. (laughs) Oh, no, no, you're not ready for this because that one little thing took you out for three weeks. Jesus. You fell off the grid for six months. You couldn't find you. I mean, she was saying this. <laughs> Come on. The saints have been around a long time. And it's like, oh, very practical reasons why you're not ready for the weight of the office. You're not ready for the office itself. Oh, no, no, honey, because see, if that thing hurt your feelings right there, it's going to be a while. The saints will come up to you and say some of the most <laughs> You're thinking, now, I expect this from the unsaved world. Yeah. The unrighteous world. I'm ready. I'm ready. But not somebody who just prayed for me last week in prayer line. I'm not ready for you to be that person. I'm really not. Yet you are. And so we had to learn through all of this journey that uh, what I am imagining kingdom leadership to be, or leadership in general, because Dr. Price has raised up leaders that are definitely in the kingdom and not serving in the house uh, like that. And it's anywhere you go, what you saw on television is scripted. That is a script. Coming in and throwing your weight around with a devil's price on your jacket on your assistant's desk on her face and just walking in and doing whatever. You just go and come in the room and say something deep and then walk out and it just happens. That is television. People get paid a lot of money for that fakery. A lot. That is not reality. And a lot of us have a fantastical definition and measuring stick for what we consider to be good and bad leadership. It's all fantasy. It is not form in reality. It's what we've seen. It's what we've observed. Dr. Price has said countless times over the years, you all cannot just walk up and say things to people the way I can. I have earned the right to address people a certain way. I'm like, I know you have. Bless the Lord. For sure. <laughs> okay? Because why? She's paid the price. She's earned her stripes. She has the actual education to back it up, the history. And somebody wants to come in and sling around something deep, heavy, and hard or whatever, and then say, well, you know, Dr. Price says this. Actually, she didn't say that at all. Okay. Let us go back to the broadcast, the context. When she said that people walked away healed, when you said that they walked away dying, and not that death that we need to die, the one that we have to be key, they walked away bleeding out, like bleeding out. And she said it really, like, oh, yeah, mm. Okay, we'll buy the ambulance. You know, you don't feel like you need a medic. Well, I know we have the flatline ministry. <laughs> and so sometimes you feel like you do, but not because... It has, like, taken you out. I mean, we say I'm taken out. That thing took me out. But not actually devastating you to the point of no return versus those nasty blows. And how you have to earn the right to do that. You have to work your way up. And in every organization, you have to earn it there. It doesn't matter if I used to work retail and if I worked in, I worked in uh, one particular vein of retail years before that. 
And then when I came to the job I was in, I was starting over. I had the opportunity for management later. I had the opportunity for other things, but this was, uh, I thought, I can't have a job outside of this that actually requires that level of investment because I want to invest everything here. And so you have got to understand that with that, you start where you start to work your way up. There are very few, like, lateral shifts in anything. I was this in this company, so I'm automatically this in this one. Not if they didn't hire you in that status. Did they bring you in at that level? Well, actually, I was the CEO over here, but right now I'm the supervising whatever because this is the spot that was available. This is where you have to do six months, nine months, 12 months, and then before the option of promotion, we understand a lot of those biblical things, uh, or excuse me, worldly things, and we don't think that that's God. We think it is just the world. We don't think that it is actually the Lord first. And so we have that lateral shift mentality. Well, I did this, this, and this here. That's great, but is it recognized where you are? So you need to come out to the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute and ready yourself and be prepared to be a part of the course correction that is more than a charismatic demonstration. Course correction is not charismatic demonstration. We just get all hyped and we get excited, okay, at our events. I want you to know the fire is real. Prophet Samira Alexander will be leading worship again. Yay! Prophet in the house. Okay? I think yesterday was her birthday, the day before. She had a birthday this week, so if you missed that, say, hey, happy birthday. But she will be leading worship. Of course, Dr. Paul Price will be Dr. Paul Price. <laughs> she will be Dr. Pricing us. And uh, giving us that mountaintop summit revelation, information, impartation, plan of action, not just throwing out what the problem is. You don't realize how many of these events just vent. They're venting sessions. This is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. But how do we make it right? And here you are challenged in making it right and not just telling the problem. And so come on out, bring your teenagers. We also have a youth conference element to TPTI. And we'll be addressing how God starts everything with a prophet, but preparing to be used in God's future. Since you're younger, we do not believe in throwing young people out there into the world, into the world of warfare. Uh, Dr. Price has said for years, but devils don't know that's a child, nor do they care. In fact, they probably have it. Mm-hmm. Easier to take out. You put your kids in the crosshairs of all kind of warfare when you're so happy that little Johnny can prophesy and get on that stage and lead worship in the big church and do whatever, Mm-mm. and then wonder why at 16 years old they flip out. Because those devils have been stalking them. Because you put them out there in the arena where they stalk people. But they're kids. And to you, it's a, it's a showpiece. It's something to be proud of. We're so proud. I grew up in a denomination, and I tell you what, I've been involved in church since I was a little kid. But in our church, the kids stayed with the children. You could be a rock star in children's church. And then when you got to the youth group, no matter how talented the youth were, you were the rock star in the youth group. Everybody had their special moment in big church. That's what we call big church. And thanks for it. The Christmas play, the whatever, where everybody saw your little talent, and then you went back to your people. And you went back to their people. I had never heard of kids being pushed out there 
and promote it like that. And, and parents had attitudes and they have problems because my kid is so talented and whatever. And there were so many talented kids in my church. And it was like, uh-huh, and you're going to be so talented in youth group. So talented in children's church. And maybe we'll consider you for big church when you get there. There were no guarantees. There were never any guarantees coming up in, in the church world that I came up in. And so we have got to start thinking about God's future, what he wants in his future, our role in his success in his future. Because when he is successful, we are successful. What we're seeing right now in the world and in our country should be a real wake-up call. I would hope that when the Lord loses, it's because we've lost it for him. And when that happens, we all pay a price. School systems, come on, restaurants, theme parks, movie theaters, neighborhoods, small businesses, all these, all this law because we were non-essential. But we said we were non-essential. You know, you come to church if you want to. You can watch online. This is before all this. People were talking some of this nonsense. You can stay at home if you want to. You can pay tithes if you want to. We made pretty much the church optional to its members, to its members. Whatever makes you comfortable. I want you to feel uncomfortable by asking for money. Really? I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. You don't want you to feel bad for looking like you don't know who Jesus is, probably because you don't. You don't. And all of that fostered and produced uh, an entire uh, opening on the federal level to shut the body of Christ down. Years ago, Dr. Price prophesied, God said he's going to dump churches into this one. She said, the Lord said, I'm going to be firing pastors. And I remember thinking, how do you fire pastors sovereignly? And this is like not one or two people. How do you do that? I wonder what string of events could lead to the churches being shut down. No, could it, anybody else found in that how in the world that would happen in the United States of America? That, that's China. That's North Korea. That's the Middle East. That's not the United States of America. Nothing could shut the church down in the U.S. of A. Uh, yet it happened. And you're talking about preachers going to jail for, for not closing their church, going in the U.S. So we can't walk around anymore talking about what's never going to happen and head in the sand. And as long as my ministry is doing well, everything is going to be okay. That's the right? That's because that's pastors. Pastors are local. They are flock. You deal with your pastor, a pastor as a pastor. That's what you do, which is why we are under the pastoral paradigm. This could happen because under apostleship, this wouldn't happen. Talking about what are you talking? How are you? No, we would have already been like getting church. Like our church is no, no. We're not going to mess over the Lord. How many services have we heard Dr. Price say we're going to mess over Jesus now? We're not messing over Jesus. We're not messing over the Lord. We're not messing over His sovereignty. We're not making this about our we're not making this about our comfort zone and our comfort level. That's not what we're doing here. This is the Lord's house. 
He is sovereign. He can do what he wants the way he wants to do it. See, that language used to be commonplace. Yeah. That was the sentiment. This is the Lord's house. Not ours. Yeah. You don't look like a hot mess six days a week. Six and a half days. But that half day on Sunday, you don't look right. Come in the suit, the shiny suit. It's your Sunday suit. We're the same one every week. Everybody knows Brother So-and-So's in his brown thing with the shoes and the green top. Boom. Only suit he has was reserved for Sunday. Coming into the Lord's house. It was a reverence that we had. Oh, no. I had Sunday shoes, Sunday clothes. to drop my mother crazy. If you wear your Sunday shoes to school, I'm like, but they're my prettiest ones. And I need to, to wear my prettiest shoes to school. Hello. I need it. That's my prettiest dress. The little ruffles on the socks. Come on. Don't play. Don't play with a little white patch leather shoe with a little square heel. I need that. With the ruffles. I said the ruffles socks. And if you're a the little babies have the little ruffles on their little, their little dress. Come on. Now for your little Sunday dress. So when you stuck those shoes, it's like, oh, but the little baby got the little Sunday. Even the baby has Sunday clothes. That's right. You can tell everybody in the room is brave right. So you're like, uh-huh. The glove. Oh, you're going way back to the gloves. See, I didn't have the glove era. You had the glove era. You had your Sunday hair. Okay. Your Sunday barrette. Yes, you did. That little Sunday piece of neck, the little pearl necklace. This young little girl, you had the one little thin string of pearl necklaces, and you were like, I know I'm tight. Because <laughs> I want my Sunday pearls. I know I'm tight and right. <laughs> and we used to uh, have dignity in coming into the house of the Lord. And it was culture. It was culture. You just didn't come any old kind of way. If somebody came to church any old kind of way, you knew they were either a new convert or they didn't know where they were. Sometimes, depending on where you went, they had a little something in the back for you. If you were inappropriate, they'll, they'll put you in the inappropriate section in the back. You can receive the word. When we're done, you're going to receive Jesus because you're never going to show up like Jesus. Not in the house of the Lord. And you can, when you go out, you can do it. That's your business. But in the house of the Lord, we came a certain way. But that left a dignity, black, white, it didn't matter what your culture was, there was a high level. You knew you were going up to see the king. Now, your pastor could have been neck deep in sin, sleeping with half people in church, whatever. But you came in before the Lord a certain way. And while we were in that era, there was an understanding about who the Lord was and how he should be treated, at least in public. There was no, well, you just come if you feel like it on Sunday. You're going to come. You're going to stand in the choir with no microphone. You're going to stand. You're going to sing with that drummer and that tin can and that piano. Yes, you are. Whatever your experience was. And that was the look. You were going to bring your best voice and choir practice was going to be practiced. And you were not going to come unrehearsed. What? Oh, no. We're not in pain. Huh? Uh-uh. And so we just knew you did not treat God like that. Even up until what? The 90s, when you watch these award shows and these old foul nasty uh, rappers and all these people in this music industry, I mean, terrible. I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Really? Because I couldn't find him on your album. I want to thank the Lord for giving me my time. I mean, there was a recognition, even when people fell straight off of the Salvation Wagon, that it was the Lord who allowed them to be a mess. First, I want to thank God. 
Because you can't tell your mama or grandma how you couldn't thank the Lord when you won that Emmy, when you won that Grammy, when you won, you did not thank Jesus. Oh. Okay? There was an understanding. God had a place, and it was first. Even if just out of your mouth it was first, and in your life you didn't really show up anywhere else. We just knew it was understood. You thank the Lord. You, you send that money, no, but I bless my mama's church. I did whatever. There was a, a sovereign fear. So, no, oh, I'm just with God. No, I mean, I can't solve them, but you know, I'll leave them alone. No. I don't. Because ah, he could jump out at you at any time. Because we were taught the fear of the Lord. And we just brought it down, brought it down, talking about that course correct and that systemic root. Brought it down to an option. Brought it down. Come on, when we were coming up, it was unheard of for parents to decide what church to go to based on what the kids wanted to do. Their youth group, well, youth group, what? You know, they like this church. I don't have a, I did not have a vote in my house. I wouldn't say anything now that I think about it. Hmm. Nothing at all. And it was, so when we started that, Slippery Slope and um, what's the other movement? Uh, Seeker Friendly? That rolled through? Oh, my pastor shut that down. He's like, never. No. Mm-mm. I mean, and you could tell, this has been pushing in and pushing in and pushing in for a good 30, 35 years. Pushing, pushing, pushing. You push something hard enough, if you don't reinforce it, see, we, didn't, we took apostles out, we disrespected, we uh, invalidated, questioned, and all this other drama. And so this stabilizing force and the entire defense mechanism around the body of Christ wasn't there. And so the pushing and the pushing and the pushing pushed it over. Like anything else. Yeah, well, we're just going to you. And, and like the word tells us, sending people and counterfeits, it, it's all in the word. And it's normal. And it is to be expected. You know, I appreciate you, know, you saying that because I never understood. I figured if I was going to send a hearty, then I wasn't going to say it. Okay. And if I was going to say it, that meant I, didn't, I wasn't going to send hardy at all. I mean, I can tell anybody this whole, you know, when we talked about, she was just telling me about the secret family and how the founder of that got the job. Of course. And if you notice, a lot of these people end up, when you go off the grid, you end up in those issues, drugs, yeah. suicidal, or sexual misconduct. So why is that the case? I mean, is that like God's judgment? No, because everything they want to start pushes back on the Holy Ghost. Yeah. See, because we have our strength by the Spirit of God, mm. not by doctrine, not by theology, the Spirit of God. You know what I'm saying to you? Yes. And so here we are trying to live with the, with the power of the spirit that we have renounced. Ooh, come on. Make it plain. And because we keep teaching people that this is all about the word only. But this is about the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is how we end up living our lives. We, we get the power to say no by the Holy Ghost who installs no in us. Yes. Right. Yes. He installed the vetoes of the Almighty. The Godhead vetoes come with our salvation. Mm. Which one is coming? <laughs> yeah, you're not going to like that. Thank you. 
I knew it when I saw it. I said, but I won't have yeah. too much trouble. It would be a nice little yeah. But, but see, and when you think about it, and that's really what we're talking about, even as we continue to go and do move forward, we have to find the dividing line. And I've been teaching on the apocalyptic elect and what makes us different from your ecclesial or actually your, your congregational Christians. And it is the power, having a form of godliness mm. and denying its power. Yes. You, you realize what that's saying, but we don't because we kind of thought the power is only what we need on Sunday. You know, you plug your lamp in when you want to read mm. or you want an ambiance. But you're not trying to have your lamp plugged in nonstop. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you don't need that, you know. Yeah. You don't want to burn your light when you're gone. But you do want to keep your refrigerator plugged in. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yes, if it's 90 degrees outside, you want the air conditioner popping on, even yes. if it's a little bit. Yes. And so when we start thinking about what the fall is, the seeker friendly was about the power of the human's will to push back on traditionalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was the power, there was no potency in any of those moves. Right. Because the potency of our ability to say no, to align with, with the Almighty's veto, that potency comes from the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And so the, what, what, that thing was still working, but it was working against the established church, and it was working against God's righteousness. So willpower then was turned against uh, attire. It was turned against order. It was turned against the worship forms. It was turned against everything. Same willpower, but now it's turned against what the Almighty veto. So that veto power has become a rival mm. to God's righteousness wow. and truth. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because when you think that, and why am I talking like this? Because many times people are like, well, you know, that's really deep. It's not deep, it's true. <laughs> and, 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 if it, and if you really believed it was deep, you'd be, you'd be drawn to it because my Bible says deep calls unto deep. Amen. So you have a problem I mean, if you decide, I don't want to go to the deep end of the pool, that's a decision. But in the shallow, you you, you know, that's, that's, that's a choice. So when people say that, I say, yeah, because you don't want to let go of your stuff. Because when you want to let go of your stuff, you're, you're inquisitive. You're curious. You're driven. You're passionate. Because you want to get it, not just experience it. Some of us wanted to just be a, 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 an aromatic mist that sprays out in the church like the little smoke machine that they have to have now because the Holy Ghost won't show up. Aromatic mist. You know, I feel the fragrance of Christ. No, no. The essence of Jesus. I want the substance. I don't want fragrance. Essence, I want substance. I want the solidarity of Jesus Christ. So when we decide, as we get, begin to go through this, when you want to ask questions, and part of it, people didn't plan to leave Jesus Christ. They were just trying to, they were actually trusting their leaders to lead them through the progressions and the, and the advancement of our faith that keeps pace with time and season. So, you know, I mean, you think about it. The, the, that man came up with Seeker Friendly because he hated the, the righteousness and the regiment of righteousness. See, yes. righteousness as regiment. Yes, uh-huh. He hated the, re- 
judgments of righteousness. You listen to people's talk. You know when they're going to fall because the first thing they're going to tell you is all of the things they don't believe, the other things they don't think should happen, and then the other things they feel they should have the latitude and liberty to do. See, that kind of like tells me that you have on this kind of this barrier against um, conversion. You don't want to be converted. Don't convert me, God. Just be happy that I dropped in on you. Mm-hmm. So churches like I do drop in on the way to what I want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. My mind. And wow. So and again, you have all of these. You know, these are apostates. We're apostates, yeah. but they, they, you know, they keep a clergy collar on because wait, right, it pays. I mean, go, go on YouTube and see how many people tell you how to have a church as an apostate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me tell you how to, and, and you know why they can do it? Because they put all of them laugh at you. Yeah, because, you know, Christians are gullible. Well, you know, Christians are stupid. Well, you know, they're blind. Well, you know, they're just foolish. And they know it because devils know when you're dumb. Mm. Devils know dumb because they introduce dumb to creation. Come on now. Because do you think that if they felt that they were going to lose everything right. for what they believed, we would have Revelation 12? Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, do you really think we'd have that? Mm-hmm. No, they believe in their stupidity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People believe in their density. They come to you telling you how it is because of how they feel. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, it's got to be that way because I feel it. Right. I'm like, right. Put your hand in the fire and say, I don't feel like it should be born. Now, unless you got devil power to overlay your hand. Overlay. You're going to have some, 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 some sort of degrees of birth. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we have got to get to a place, and I'm excited about this. I'm going to cover something that I'm going to dig into for a little bit you know, later on, but I want to introduce this reality to you because we are at a place where it's always the Bible under attack. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. See, all of these things came from little kids who didn't want to read the Bible, <laughs> little kids who didn't want to remember the Ten Commandments. Little kids who didn't like the Beatitudes, who did not like the gospel. Little kids who felt that they wanted to be outside playing, but they lost friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And parents who wanted to be more of a friend than a mentor or a guardian or a god. You know, when you were talking about parents, when my kids like children's church, well, what do you like? So that either you or your kids are saved. One of y'all are unsaved. Somebody. Somebody hasn't been to the cross. Somebody. Somebody hasn't been dipped in the blood. Somebody doesn't have the Holy Ghost. And if you are an apostle and a prophet in this, uh, in this Christ dispensation, you cannot be effective without the Holy Spirit. You can't be discerning. Because you can read that word and that word falls on your hard heart. Or your, your, literally your corrupt soul. And when that word falls on a corrupt soul without the cleansing of the blood of the Lamb and the purging of the Holy Ghost, it sounds very, very harsh. But it's also very flexible. You make it flexible. My, one of the things that I often say when I'm doing this, and I want you, okay, you know what, that's the phone. Well, I didn't want you to hit it. Now we <laughs> you just got to talk about how free we are, mm. how wonderful it is. Yeah. <laughs> so if I read something, I don't want you to ever forget this. This is one of the three uh, statements that supports what I'm saying, and then we're going to get into the scripture. 
because people keep talking about the scripture. You know, occultists send people in to disparage the word and to make you feel like an idiot because you believe in it while they got the Satanist Bible. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, on. they want to trash your Bible, and they've got the Satanist Bible. Mm-hmm. And they've got all of their old texts. Where do you think Harry Potter came from? All those old, ancient, occultic texts. But that's smart. Now, how is that smart? Right, come on. And y'all can't bear good fruit no matter what. Because a bad tree can't give you good fruit. Amen. So that, that isn't, but yet, our little Bible is off. And Christians are so, so underdeveloped that they go away and so weak will that they go, oh, well, I mean, obviously, but you think those professors standing up there telling you that Jesus and Zeus are the same person, you think they read your Bible? Mm-hmm. And if they did, they read it with the blinders on. Yeah. Because the veil is lifted in Christ. Mm-hmm. So they read through the veil. And they read it trying to, to extract elements and put validity in their ancient sacred text. Mm. that were destroyed on the cross. Mm. This is where you and I have got to change. And so that is one of the reasons why you keep hearing me say God did not give a biblical revelation, his biblical revelation of Jesus Christ and the the cross and the church to anyone but an apostle and prophet. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why. They predate the church and they didn't have churches to paint their views Mm. or to inflict their conscience. Mm. with humanitarianism and socialism mm. and all of the other isms that are there. So God gave that. And so I want to read you a couple of things, and then I'm going to give you two acronyms you're going to want to keep. The first one is Psalm 19. Now, I'm going to read up to the point that, that I want you to get through, which is eight, I mean nine. But I want you to read this. And I want those of you who want to know, well, you know, God wasn't like this in the Old Testament. Yes, he was. Everything Old Testament is in the New. It's just no longer just on print and paper. It's in, a, in, it's in more than one being. In the Old Testament, it was all within one being called the Godhead, Jesus Christ in particular as the Word. In the New Testament, it is in multiplied billions of beings, that, and it's on lockdown because we have not been getting the teaching of the mantle that inherited this. And, that, that, and I'm showing you this because it's important. So Psalm 19, to the chief musician of Psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God, the, the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. Now, that's powerful. You should figure out what, what does that mean. So every day, creation is talking, and every night, creation is revealing and instructing. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Son is son. In a hundred different languages, you can use a million languages to say it, but we all look up and we agree that it's sun. Hmm. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world, and them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoice as a strong man to run a race. He goes forth, uh, his going forth is from the ends of heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat. You can't hide from the heat of the sun. Jesus. You can bury yourself. The reason bones deconstruct is the sun keeps cooking. Uh-huh. 
Even though it's buried. Now, here's where our point comes. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. See, these people are so unconverted. So that is why they're open to to anything that passes by, any sleight of hand, any wit, any doctrine, because their soul is still very much attached to the temptations that are trying to eclipse their salvation. They still have an appetite for it. It's still flavorful to them. It's still delightful. It's tasty. It's enthusiastic. It's, uh, it, 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 you can't be tempted by what you have eliminated out of your body. Amen. Amen. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, and much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in the keeping of them is great reward. Here's the part that's powerful. Who can understand his error? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Mm-hmm. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. Yeah, Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be upright, and I shall be innocent from great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now, how many of y'all heard that last piece quoted? Okay, so see, scripture extraction and excerpt, and excerpt uh, excerpts rather, are, are wildly in trouble because you can't have the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart be acceptable to God without 1 through 13. Amen. You can't have it. It's impossible. But yet, we stand up there because we want you to have the good news, and it's good news as we redefine it. Not the good news God sent to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. It's the good news that we, we redefine this. It's good news to us. It means that we're free from sin. We don't have to be accountable for our behaviors. We don't have to own our stuff. We can, whatever we say is real is real. Whatever we say is true is true. That is the devil. That is Satan's mantra. That's what you're going to find in Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, and then all the other ones in an element of Islam. You're going to find that it's all about you. But what they all lack. Get ready to hit the bell. I'm ready. Ready? Get ready. What they all lack is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. There there is no cohesive, single power. Go ahead. That is going to keep, enable them to be changed by it. Because what they have is a, co- a, a coagulative power. In other words, they all of those spirits on those religions got together like Democrats and said, this is what we believe, this is the destruction we're going to have, and this is how we're going to enforce it. And we're going to enforce it with laws, and we're going to enforce it with fear, and we're going to enforce it with a whole lot of things, but ultimately failure. Yeah. Failure. Because they are failed. We are the only one. I keep telling everybody, we're the only thing, and we're the only nation that was shipped to the planet. Yes, yes. And we came by way of yes. the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
You are saved by the word, the spirit, and the blood. Amen, amen. The word, the spirit, and the blood. See, that's what an apostle will tell you. If they're genuinely an apostle of Jesus Christ. You have to have the word, except to cleanse and regenerate. You have to have the spirit that gives life. And you have to have the blood that sanctifies us, but also is the currency that pays the debt for our sin. So we're talking about, you're talking about people telling you what Christianity is, and they don't have a clue about how folks become Christians. All you have to do is just say this little prayer. So, but I want to talk to you on, if you look on the next slide on your screen, you can see it says, go from doing to being. Yes. As long as you're in deed land, mm-hmm. uh-huh. everything you do counts for, as far, you know, to you as far as you're concerned. But being is something else. You can, yes. you can literally do something and not be it. Right. You do your job. Yeah. But you become an offspring of the Godhead. And when you do, it says bear fruits that are worthy of repentance. We have to bear fruits of repentance. We have to bear fruit. And the fruits of all of these doctrines that you're listening to, they don't speak to a person. They speak to deep. That's why you can do speaker friendly. And you can say coffee in the lobby is the equivalent of a devotion. Okay. My mind. And on her solid day, we got some coffee in our mouth. It's not church. Church is the coffee cup. Okay, the coffee cup is not the communion cup. All right? And your latte is not your communion. Okay? And we don't need fake smoke. The Holy Ghost comes himself bringing us all for. We have the real deal, huh? But we want to be natural about everything else except our worship form. They can be like that. Everything else, we want to be natural. But you understand that all of those come from nature, nature religion. They, they came down from nature religion. So you are natural. And we're not. We're supernal. And we're supernormal, not just phenomenal. But we are that. And so it is and unless it means something to you, unless you understand anatomically, neurologically, solically, pneumatologically, I can go, go all of those. Let me tell you something. Unless you understand where all of that got saved, you are destined to fall. You have to be. That's why I raised you this. Everybody here, if you want to start with God, please help me. What do you say? He, this, 14 tells you the, I love it, a 13 rather tells you the prescription. If I want to be kept back as God's servant from my presumptuous sin, and if I do not want to let them have dominion over me, and if I want to be upright and innocent, the great transgressions, then i got to go back to number seven. Mm-hmm. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting yeah. the so from 7 to 14 is the answer to setting your own soul free. Hallelujah. And that's if you're honest enough. Yeah. Because most people are not honest enough. They are not emotionally honest enough because they so understand why they're damaged. They so understand why they're mistrustful, why they are, are scared. They so understand why they are defensive that they can't even consider the fact that they are authorizing the consequences of those emotions to have free reign in their lives. Right. Because they can't bear truth. Yeah. 
David said we need truth in the inward part. The inward part would be your soul and your spirit, your heart, your mind, your will. All of that. We don't want that because we are because we are very this no, I'm not. This church is very Buddhistic. That's why you have so many Asian Buddhistic things that are popping up around. Because in that one, Satan has to sell you the lie mm-hmm. so that he can own you before you die. Mm-hmm. So you believe in a lie. Mm-hmm. And when you start looking at it, and, and so what Jesus brought to the planet was the truth that the planet had not known. Mm-hmm. Even Israel did not know all of that. Because they said, well, what is he saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, what is he talking about? Mm-hmm. I can't. I, don't, I just don't agree. Well, and then we're just going to kill them. First off, we get to kill them. Because they could not and would not receive the knowledge of the truth that they may be saved. So people really don't want to be saved. They want to be safe. Yeah. Ah, I want to be safe from my sin. Ah. I want to be saved because saved is going to put prohibitions on me. It's going to restrict me. I'm going to be unable to. And we can go on and on and on. So the point that I want you to understand and I need you to get is that God is very serious about his salvation. I don't care what the devil tells you. God is no, no more bringing sin back into the light, into his world, than an operating room is going to bring landfill garbage into it. Because that's what he's saying. He's like, I'm not bringing that mess back. Are you kidding? It took me a lot to get that out. I am so not doing that. So if you look at it, so we're talking about going from doing to being. Well, we have to do it, you know, with the word. We just said it starts with the word, the law of God. See, we don't want to deal with God's law. We don't want to call the law. We don't want to be legalistic because it's binding. And we don't want to be bound to God. We want to be bound to our sin. Humans love to be bound to their sin because they call that liberty and they call that independence. Right. And yet Peter discovered that they promised, Satan will promise you liberty. Humanists will promise you liberty. Socialists will promise you liberty and make you a twofold child of sin. They will take you back in the very captivity you thought you were getting free from. So the first thing we have to recognize, I'm going to go to Ephesians 3. I like Ephesians because Ephesians is like the apostle letter. It's because when Jesus comes to talk to the church, he's talking to the church. And what is he, who is he talking to? He's talking to the church at Ephesus. And that's the apostolic church. It was, it, 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 uh, record has it that it's the one city, all the apostles, all of the main apostles had built ministries. That's how important the church is like that. But if you if you read this, um, Ephesians starting at 1, it says, for this cause, I, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, if you don't be an apostle, you got to be in prison to Jesus. And if not, he put you in prison someplace. In prison is going to happen. If that's what you're calling it's going to happen. All right, so don't you see? All right. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace which is given to me toward you. Now think about that. We receive a dispensation of grace. It doesn't say that about a pastor. A pastor receives an anointing. I'm not, I was a pastor, I started out a pastor, I still shepherd, but 
verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote of four in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ. So what was it, part of that dispensation? The mystery of Christ. These people come up with all of these other things because God shut them out of the mystery of Christ. Yeah, yeah. my mind. Yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I just for uh, Okay. He said, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. See, it's the Holy Ghost that is stewarding this thing, managing this thing, dispensing it, distributing it, qualifying it. Protecting it. The Holy Ghost protected. People read the Bible. What did he say? All oh, this was said, but not like this. People have read the Bible. Don't profess to stand up there with their little degree. Talking about, I read the whole Bible. No, you didn't. You stand some pages. Because if you read the Bible, you would drop your class. So you didn't read it. You engaged with it as a combatant. Wow. And then, when you, it's important for you to recognize why this is happening, because God wants you to get what he's talking about when he keeps saying that this here thing was given to his apostles and prophets. That means that there is something in our physiological, neurological, anatomical makeup, our biological makeup that make us more receptive and susceptible to the truth of Christ's mystery than the others, and it's deliberate. Mm. It's deliberate. Pro- apostles are going to give you that protonic stuff. Yeah, you're gonna, it's going to be, you're like, oh, Lord, really? Okay. Now, so I wanted you to read that. Now, I'm going here to my next slide, and it's because I want you to understand Bible and what the Bible is to God. So it should be up on your screen. You can see the acronym Bible. Isn't that nice? You like that acronym? Oh, yeah. If you have children and you teach children, you should take these acronyms and break them down into lessons for your kids so they can see the Bible differently and they can see it practically. So if the first word is bi- the first letter in Bible is biologic. Print is produced. By people. Isn't that nice? People are biologic. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. In him was life. So when you so as far as God's concerned, the Bible simply means books. So the next slide you're gonna love. So as far as God's concerned, the bi- he took his, bi- his biological thoughts with all of his chemistry, all of his hormones. All of his, his neurons, and, and etc. All of that, and through his blood, he took it and put it in print. He called it thoughts, and the thoughts went to paper. Amen. The Bible is biologic. That is why when you read it, you can get saved. And when you get saved, stuff happens. When you read it and you sit and you begin to believe God, it triggers a faith that gets you healed. It heals you physically, so that makes it biologic. Yeah. Okay, not just literature, because the Bible has a superintendent called the Holy Ghost. Uh, Y'all know this is good. This is real good. 
So this is biologic, internal, meaning that we're outwardly, it doesn't even look like you got saved. People can't look at you and say, who It takes a now, you have to be transformed or converted for people to pick up your salvation. <laughs> you gotta be you gotta be transformed for them to pick up. And then they say, you know, there's something different. Yeah, but there's a life. Why are they seeing a light on a physical body? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a life in you. Why are they seeing energy and vigor on a physical body? Because Christ is in you by his spirit. And if anyone has not his spirit, he is not his. And the spirit bears witness with our spirit. What spirit? Not the old one we brought into the world. the, The Holy Spirit bears witness to our new creation spirit that we are now children of God. We are now offspring of the Godhead. And it's biological because it begins to change you. <laughs> and it changes you from the inside out. And then bodily. We are filled with the whole fullness of the Godhead bodily, no matter how miniature our little drop is. Some of us. Just a little. But you know, a little drop of Jesus is all right. He said a grain of a mustard. A cell is small. <laughs> okay, a little drop of Jesus. I got me a drop of Jesus yesterday. Some people want a bucket. Others want an ocean, but a few people, but a cell is small. Yeah. But what is there about a cell? A cell just keeps growing and, and multiplying and growing and multiplying. It keeps, and it will find its likeliness or it will find its reproductiveness in whatever it is, and it will continue to do it. And so the Bible hits us on the cellular level. Yeah, if that is to come by faith, it will only do it when it is handled with and by faith. Because the Bible has a mandate on it. You, re- you release and you receive and you deliver by faith. Yeah. So either it's going to hurt you or haunt you. Mm-hmm. Because if you are called to God, that's what it's going to do. And so there, and then it has the power to heal. What are the miracles? What are the? I mean, even with all we know today, and I watch a lot of medical shows, I watch a lot of science shows, and a lot of, but I love those, right? And all, ultimately, they all will give you these glowing words, words I can't spell, three alphabets, it's all right. But in the end, they still say, but we don't know what this is. And we don't know where that comes from. And we don't know how to explain this. All we can do is voice and verbalize what we see. We still are drowning in unseen actions, activities, and origins that we can't Explain. So we name. You know, we act like God named it DNA. God didn't name that. He didn't say DNA. God actually named it gene. And when you look at scripture, it talks about with a good and noble heart, it says gene. So God, they didn't, they didn't create gene. God named it gene by whoever he told. And, and since the scripture goes all the way back to seed, which is gene, and it goes all the way back to before we got to the uh, 18th and 19th century Renaissance, Reformation, trans- before we got there. So God said it's a gene. But then they came and they saw the whole chain and whatnot. I have no problem with that. I really don't. I, I, watched, I, I watched the whole thing with a man who talked about how he got DNA. And he was Christian. So when you think about it, God already 
plans for it because in the beginning, God, God said to Mary, boom, get, take this. <laughs> <laughs> he knew when she was ovulating. He didn't do it a day before ovulation. He knew when that ovulation would secure that the life of his son. And he made that womb and he watched that womb and he watched and made sure no other sperm ever touched it. Yeah. Because sperm has to leave behind. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I haven't even gotten to the good part. Okay, so then, and then life. Everything about God is life. And where there's life, there's life. And where there's life, there's life. And we can't, our, our science can't do that. They can say, we got things that have life in the dark. No, no. But they still have some special something. Because life and light cause movement. Mm-hmm. And when things don't move, we call them dead. Mm-hmm. And then, life essentials. The Bible is about you getting an opportunity for the essentials of life, not just animation and not just existence. Life. Have karma that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Life. Uh, life and immortality were brought to the planet and to the humanity by Jesus Christ because it left an eat. We are amazing. Aren't we amazing? Yeah. I heard David say we are fearfully. I told him I was going to give him the show today. Give it to him. He said, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I think he wanted to let me know that he had it, but I think he was in jeopardy. Let me just play along with it. So, <laughs> when you see Bible and you have a Bible study, this is what you need to be focusing in on. Not just because the, these are all the things that give us the laws of life, the principles. Remember, the law of life is not the same as the law of death. Amen. Mm. Bringing somebody back to life is not the same as pulling the plug. Mm-hmm. It's human life. And that life was the light of men. Yeah. But men love darkness. Rather than life, because their deeds are evil. People play all kinds of solical games to make you think that they really are working hard to try so hard to be free, but then it just, you know, Jesus works at the side, you know, but didn't work for me. Okay. I mean, he really just, and I did my best, and I don't understand. You know, like people keep hopping from church to church talking about, well, you know, every time I go to church, I get hurt. No, every time you go to church, you hurt it and can't stay. Okay. <laughs> get that bell. There we go. And faith of program to be gullible. That's a program to be gullible so that they go in, because you can identify with the weakness of the flesh, it never dawns on you that people are lying. Ah. Or that they are themselves yeah. on a campaign to destroy the church. Mm-hmm. Their selfishness, their selfhood has to do it. So when people start saying this, and I say, okay, so tell me, tell me what, what how that work? Huh? <laughs> I mean, so how did you lead up to you just? Yeah. So you mean you were just sitting there one day and you just said, I got to go. Okay, so what thought 
brought back together because thoughts have a process. They have a, a gathering, coagulating, amalgamating, pick something, process. All right? So how did your thought congest that? Y'all want to know. Because you're not going to get me to curse a church because you curse the work of God. I'm not cursing a church because you can't stand it. I'm not cursing a church because you don't want to change, because you don't want to be converted. You know, and right now we got all of these, these, all of these campaigns against Christianity. They work because they're by, they're by Christians who are still walking around with the, in, the infantile Jesus because they never got to the mature stature and measure of the Christ, because Jesus Christ, as an adult son, will not condemn his father's work. He will not damn it. He will not do that. And he, now, he'll condemn a church, but not his father's work. Ooh. And we need to know the difference. Wow. That is why he has some churches he fights. I mean, he takes he take that devil to the mat. I need this, yeah. and you are assaulting what I need. So we have got to stop being gullible. So now we got biologic. And did you all like this? Yeah. Yes. You can literally. I know y'all do your um, tell us discussion. This should be very interesting. So the Bible is biologic. Yes. As is everything. Because everything starts with the human being. Next one. Last one. It's very involved, so we probably won't get through all of it, but I want to make a point. Everything that's in this Bible literally is biologized by the author and finisher of our fables. So we have, and it contains cases that God has dealt with. Did you all like this? Cases that God has dealt with, situations that he has resolved, incidents that he has already addressed events that he has, he, he can now testify to how he handled causes and consequences. I mean, this is a really interesting Bible, isn't it? Yes. Because this, you can just look at the outside of this Bible, and you can see all of the things that God is addressing. All of them. And so, if you look at the top, it's got, it talks about ministers and, and ministries, policies, state statements, and his programs, accounts of things that have happened, Procedures, rules, and rulers, persons, all right? Tutorials, he has strategies and judgments, regulations, certifications, and then we got belief, priests and priesting, regimes, coaching, statutes, prophets and prophecy. If you wanted to say, I want a ministry training school, and I want to talk about the theology of our canon, we, look at the big words, canon, faith. Do you see them? Yes. Belief. Judgment, government, justice, imperative, principles, sovereigns and sovereignties, declarations, offices and officials, monarchs and monarchs. So don't tell me, you know, when people try to tell me that, don't tell me I don't understand ministry, because I do. Because I ate this over the last 38 years, and I've taken all of those words, and I've broken them down completely. Synonyms on actions, manifestations, and behaviors, which will lead you to indicators. So we have processes, laws, doctrines, codes, directives, ordinances, decrees, all of that. Is that powerful? And look at this. So scripture, this is all scripture. Now, gave you Bible. Hallelujah. Amen. 
I gave you the acronym for Bible, but here's the one prescription. Supreme Constitutional Revelatory Intelligence promulgated, which means spreading legislation, truths, unsheathing redemption essentials for salvation. There are things that are essential for salvation. We can't just walk around and say we saved because we went to some church and somebody sprinkled water on our head. You wash your hair every day. That's it. You shower every day. That's it. So there's something not in the truth. And you didn't go by procedure. In God's world, baptism equals immersion. Now, that's God's work. Now, why would he do that? Instead of just say, well, let's just sling a little water out. I got a little spray. Why does he mandate immersion? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Little yeah, you're a little mystic. <laughs> there you go. You're safe. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> oh, thank you. Hope I don't see you there. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm not you. But I mean, if we got to be immersed, now why does he require immersion? Well, you should really look up that word because immersion is also the idea of washing, but it's also bathing. If you, God wants you to bathe, not to have a whip. of him. He wants you to bathe in his word. The water is considered the word. Yeah, okay. So he, so how, how long are you going to be able to live in life with people if you just pray yourself every moment? Uh-uh. After a while, people are going to ask you to get up off the spray. Get into water. You need to get into water. Okay? Now, you can wash off your, you can wash yourself with a shower, but it won't soak your bones. It won't water you all the way down. It'll just wash you off. Yeah. So God is about you being immersed in him. Yeah. Not just walking around saying, I got Christ in me, or I just somebody said some words over us. God said the kingdom of God is not in words only, but in power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And spraying is not going to give you that demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> Body yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, little, little, you know, the fan in the summer, you just and it sprays the water. Yeah, they do a little sprinkle, and we got, and they're not the only ones because people have listened to re- Reformationists or probably Evangelicals saying if baptism doesn't matter. It matters. It matters that you take a bath before thirty. It matters that they shave all your hair off of these areas because you have those residual germs, bacteria, and biological matter. So. You can say, well, it doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter if you are not relying on the Holy Spirit to attest to your immersion and thus union with Christ. It matters. And so the biggest issue is the one you don't hear anybody talk about, the Holy Ghost. Faith won't let anybody talk about the Holy Ghost. And if he does, he mocks it. Look at them talking in tongues. (laughs) You got tongues. Richard's got tongues. Who are you kidding? You got tongues. Yeah, for all those implications, all those potions, mm-hmm. 
We're pulling all those ancient languages. But see, saints don't know that because you're too church. And you're too church to be in the revelations of Jesus Christ. Because most of you, the people who grow up in church, they think this is it. So if you believe that pastor's doctrine, especially if you've been with the same pastor for whatever years, decades, you can't even imagine it unless you are one of those people who are forced into the outside world. Mm-hmm. So we need baptism. Yes. Okay? So promulgating truth and then unsheathing, which is pulling the skin off. You know, you take your clothes off, you unsheathe. And what's there? So God is saying that. Now, another synonym for it is what John uses in his writings. And he, said, he uses the word bear, laying bear. Bearing all that is in the eternal world that this world's darkness, clouds and mist, yeah. hide from us so that we won't know the way of salvation. And then using redemption, essentials. Redemption requires something. Deem, redeem, deem is a judgment. You probably didn't know deem is the is a judgment variant of the word doom. So you take deem, you take it to doom, you take it to deem, meaning somebody pays the price. Somebody frees you. Somebody met the terms and conditions of buying you back from sin. And then essential. Well, I think that's pretty much self-explanatory. There are things that you need. I like the fact, I like words, because in the middle of the word, essentials is sin. Mm. There are things that God sent Jesus into the planet, sent his word into the planet to keep it alive, to keep it going, for its vitality, for its vigor, for its resolve. Essentials for our salvation. This is what the scriptures do. They give you the supreme being, constitutional mind, soul, and spirit, revealing to you an intelligence that is heretofore deprived you. Yeah. you deprived you. you. You you've been shut out of it. And the legislation is look up the word promulgating, you're gonna love it, because people want to confuse it with propagating, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. All right? Truths that unsheath his redemption. Essentials for your salvation. That's what the scriptures are. And so we got, as you can see, we got snippets and pieces of this, that, and the other. The world cannot. I'm telling you, the, the biggest computer cannot hold God's entire existence. Amen. In his, in his memory. Can't. Because he hasn't stopped doing stuff. He hasn't stopped moving. He hasn't stopped acting. So when I teach the Bible, I'm coming from this. I'm not coming from what 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 all the theologians said. We do have systematic um, theology, but I, I want systemic theology, not just systematic. Systemic will take you into technology because it moves you from the from the orderly sequential surface or Output, it moves you down into the source and origin. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Excellent. Excellent. So when we start, when we teach the Bible, and you hear people say, well, first of all, Satan is, he hates the Bible because he's scared of it. 
He's not just scared of the Bible because we read it and learn it. He's scared of the Bible because the very words in it are how he was made. So the word knows how to get under his skin and get to him in ways that no other religion or sacred text can read. Like that? Yeah. We're made by the word of God. God said, let them, let us make man. Well, before he said that, according to um, Proverbs 8, he made the spirit being or the angel who makes his angel spirit and his ministers a flame of fire. Mm-hmm. See, this is, this is apostleship knowledge. Yeah. This is apostle wisdom. This is what Paul brought to the planet from his visit to heaven, caught up to the third heaven a couple of times. In the body, on the body, I know not. Okay? Which means God bodily trans- translated him at some times and then spiritually caught him up at others. I don't know if God does that. That's what we're going to learn in our do the mic class. Okay? Because God translated Philip. So Paul knew about his body being taken from place to place. God did not have to let Paul get his butt whooped as much as he did, <laughs> except Paul would tell you, I killed Christians. So yeah. he could have translated them anyway. Yeah. He could have brought them out of every conflict. Right. But he said, I killed Christians. i got to pay for those lives I took. <laughs> and I have to pay for them in this world so that the, the guilt of them, the blood guilt on them would be off of me, replaced by the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> Peter always gave God and Jesus a hard time. Yeah, yeah. Jesus and Peter, they were really interesting. And, and so when he got to the end, he said, uh, when you get old, see, there are things God can't let go to your grave with you, in you, and active. He can't do it. So he will press you to give up your mess. And he'll press it so that he doesn't have to judge you eternally for something that was temporal. Lord, oh, my God. <laughs> 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 As I say this, as we get ready for our guest, because we have a phenomenal guest today, I'm excited about it, but I want to tell you this, and yes, when Timothy was struggling with his stomach ailment, Right. No doubt because of the burden and the, and the warfare that he faced constantly as being assigned to that area. Paul said to him, drink a little bit of wine for your what? Stomach. Stomach. Your frequent stomach. Now remember, this is the same Paul who said a bishop can't drink anything. Mm-hmm. Can't be drunk with wine. Right, right. So that is why he had to write the prescription to supersede that because of Timothy's physical condition. No doubt a, a good minister will say, why does this keep happening to me? I mean, I'm preaching, I'm living right. And blah, blah, blah. So he had that question. Paul's answer, his next response, 
suggests that was what Timothy was concerned about. Why am I suffering this? And he said, but some man's sin has to be cleared on this side. So that when he gets there, that sin will not go to you to the judgment seat or affect your reward and your eternal use in God's world. Because in God's world, there's no temporality. Everything is forever. Everything is forever. They don't have that. That's why you have to be born again, because your new spirit cannot be changed, because it's death. It's mortal. It's death doomed, death defied. So he has to get you born again so that you can survive his world. So there are things that God will keep hitting in your soul and hitting in your life and hitting in your soul until that thing is gone or you have established you want to keep it. And if that you think that it's worth your afterlife. That is what he said we must believe to the saving of the soul, that your soul may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this whole soul thing, we haven't scratched the surface of it because we want people to have free will according to human standards. Mm-hmm. And it works here. As long as you're in this body, everything you believe and feel will work except for the laws that we set in motion. As you can see, we change them as they come and go. But when you get in God's world, you come under the eternal laws that have kept that world going forever. Amen. She awesome. Is she awesome? God bless her. Oh, okay. Come on, show me this one. She is awesome. <laughs> I was excited. I'm on fire right now. Can we all say, wow? Wow. This is when you really sometimes wish this wasn't as live. But you all pause it. What did you say? What did you say? Let me go back I'm trying to rewind Dr. Price on the fly. And I got more. Oh, Lord. my collection. We're going to keep you. Okay. You're barred. It's studio property. Studio property. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Mr. Deuter. Hi. Yeah. We have a special guest today on uh, coming from the East Coast, logging, signing on, I should say, from Connecticut is Dawn Roy. Her name is Dawn Roy. She is an LCSW, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. And you know Dr. Price has written, and maybe you don't know if you're new to the Dr. Paul Price world, Biblical Psychology. She's actually written an entire discipline for the body of Christ to follow in the godly path that have been actually validated for sure by a lot of clinical professionals. As well as her book, 3D, Taking Your Soul from Distress to Success. And so Dawn is uh, the licensed clinical social worker. She uh, specializes in trauma, in dealing with trauma, and also teaches a course called Mental Health First Aid for Public Safety. And so we will introduce Dawn. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you, Don. I'm, I'm so uh, a fan of the work that professionals like you do because of the trauma and the sorrow in our world today. And I was looking at some of the stats, and I was floored 
and how much work there is to be done. But I'd like you to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this field. So uh, I'm a licensed social, social worker by background. I've been a social worker for 27 years. <clears throat> um, I, I, uh, I got into the field as a lot of people in my field do from personal pain and struggle in my own life. Um, as well as childhood trauma and things like that, uh, exposure to addiction in my own personal life. And, and um, I think it was really sort of a drive for me. Very early on, I was quite young when I got in the field, um, 23 years old. And, uh, you know, I just always had this passion for using my struggles and my pain to pay it forward and try to be able to professionally help other people. Um, and that was really my life, my goal, my, my passion was just to try to be some sort of facilitator or instrument in some way to, um, to help people heal. I had had a lot of healers in my life, spiritually and professionally, and uh, I wanted to do the same thing. And so that's really what got me, got me into this life and into this world. And, I'm grateful every single day. Well, we are, too. We're glad. You know, many times, just to, to uh, make this statement, especially to my audience and my viewers, many times we as Christians and church and ministers feel like there's only the spiritual side to it. But, you know, I'm one of those who believe that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And earthen means human and, you know, clay pots get cracked. They get banged around, they get used, they get pummeled. All of us can think about our favorite bombs, our favorite this or that, getting shattered and not being able to be put together. And so when I talk to the people that I serve, I let them know that we are trial beings, spirit, soul, and body. And all of it can be traumatized by the events of life. Have you had much experience with um, ministers or spiritual leaders with that perspective? a little bit, you know, just I mean, perhaps, you know, actually I've had people in my private practice that have come in as clients themselves who are uh, in the, you know, ministry world and, um, you know, just having their own struggles and, um, you know, because in the helping field, we we put, it, we put everybody else before we put ourselves first. Mm -hmm. And so we forget that helpers need help too as well. Well, I, I can say that because we do, and often we have to go off site to get the help. Because depending upon your your how well known you are, you have to go to a place where it's safe to to get that happening. And I've been following how many pastors. I don't know what your um, what your thoughts are on this, but how many pastors are committing suicide? I'm thinking how tragic for us to be ministers of life and health, and yet that's where we are. Could you tell us what are some of the things you feel would provoke a pastor or a mover pastor to do that? I think it's, it's carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders, right? So whatever they do in their professional life, like yourself, um, they 
carry a lot because you you take in so much from those that you that you minister to and you really kind of take that into your soul, into your heart, into your mind, into your spirit. And then, you know, what do you do with that? Sometimes there's not a place to unload that yourself. Um, I kind of like to think of it as, you know, uh, filling your own bucket with all of these things and never really having your own healthy outlet to be able to release some of that. Um, So it is not a surprise to me that, you know, you're seeing this increase in pastors taking their own lives. And there's also another part to, you know, what are your own childhood experiences, right? Pastors, like most people, don't come into a profession with a clean slate necessarily, right? You have a personal life. You go through things. You've had and, you know, continue to have maybe some of your own struggles, right? So I think those are things that would absolutely contribute to the unfortunate of a pastor taking their life. Uh, well, I, I think that's a very, very valid answer, and it's pretty difficult to uh, refute. But, I, I, but now, you, I, I, when we hear in this word, this phrase often again, and we're not accustomed to it as the lay people, what does mental health first aid mean to you, and what should it say to us? And why is it considered public safety since mental health has never been really kind of thought of as a public issue, as, as at least in my era it was? Okay, so so let me let me give you a little uh, you know origin and background to mental health first aid. So mental health first aid is a is a um, national nationally recognized uh, training module. It's a program that was developed, believe it or not, in um, 2001 in Australia. And it was developed by a couple that uh, where the wife had significant depression. And these two people really saw a need to develop this program to teach lay people about mental health, mental illnesses, how common these things are. And it was meant to teach uh, lay people how to respond to somebody who might be experiencing a mental health crisis. It was brought to the U.S. in 2008. And since 2008, we have mental health first aid in every state in, uh, in the United States. And it's in over 40 countries around the world. It's, when we say public safety, there are numerous modules in mental health first aid. So there's a mental health first aid for public safety, meaning law enforcement. And that that's one of the modules. There are several. But it's meant to teach, in that particular module, to teach uh, law enforcement how to better respond to somebody on a call who might be experiencing a psychiatric crisis, as well as how to recognize within their own peer group when somebody is struggling. Uh, but somebody like yourself, Dr. Price, you could take mental health first aid, um, and it would teach you how to recognize mental health signs and symptoms, mental health disorders, and how to respond if somebody is suicidal. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I appreciate it. One of the reasons um, that I wanted to have you on is because I do believe that we as church leaders and as spiritual leaders, need that practical instruction because 
whether you know whether we like it or not, we, it, there was a time that we kind of fancied ourselves. I never did, but we kind of fancied ourselves in this insulated bubble where it didn't happen to us because we had you know the word, we had scripture, we had the Holy Ghost. Well, you know the walls. We, you know when we started preaching church without walls, we took the walls down. And it's not that it's not as if we, it wasn't there all along. But we began to realize that we are still getting that population in our churches. But in addition, God, I say that life is happening to everybody. And not everybody is managing life's uh, directions and life impact on them. So I have you here because I want this. I want this for the church. We have something called the uh, Success Center. I developed a program called Solar Success, Taking Your Life from Distress to Success not therapeutic, uh, well, not uh, clinical at all. And, uh, but we, we, we developed it because I find that, you know, on the less severe end of it, people have soul strongholds that stop them from succeeding in life. They keep losing jobs. They keep losing homes. They can't pay their bills. They, you know, that, I mean, there is an element of, obviously, disorder in that, but it's more the functionality or their inability to function properly, properly or successfully in life. So, yes, I like this. And we, in my audience today, I have people who are studying this. That's why we're talking. They're listening intently. And if they have questions, well, I'm going to let them ask you because some of them are in school. Others are waiting to graduate. Others are in the profession. But, so, yes, I agree with you, and I thank you for that encouragement. I want to ask you, when we think about the whole spectrum of mental health, the whole field, where does the social worker fall and what is the difference? Uh, clarify a little bit for me. Sure. Well, when we think about psychologists, psychiatrists, we think about, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Where does the social worker fall in that, um, in that entire lineup? because in the mental health field, there are a lot of different practitioners, mm-hmm. right? Like all these letters after our name. Um, and you have psychologists, you have psychiatrists, you have, you know, licensed counselors, you have social workers like myself. We do a lot of similar things. Um, and we all, I guess the common thread or theme is that we all have mental health background really in our training and we overlap in, in terms of some of the things that we provide. Uh, I think the social worker has an incredible ability uh, to be useful in a lot of areas. In other words, social workers run the gamut. You know, we can, we can work in so many different settings. You can have social workers in hospitals. You have social workers in schools. You have social workers in community organizations. You have social workers that are lobbyists and that work at, in the capital. You know, there's all different. Uh, we have such a diverse background in social work, mm-hmm. which is why I chose to be a social worker, different from some of the other disciplines in the Well, for what you're saying, then, that you have the, the, I think, the privilege and honor of really being on the ground and in contact with people more directly. And particularly in larger groups, is that right? That's right. Okay, I, and I wanted to get it right because it's important to know. Well, before I open um, for questions, 
tell, tell us a little bit. Do you have your own business? Is that what you do? And then follow that up, if you don't mind, with what you would say professionally and experientially is the root of this widespread mental health, almost an epidemic that we're facing. Yes, I have. Um, my my career path has been um, awesome in a lot of ways. I began my career working with uh, people with AIDS. That was my first job out of graduate school, and that was a profound experience because I got to really learn about um, HIV and, and AIDS and really just the, the unfortunate stigma around that and how people were marginalized at that time. and. Um, and then I did it. I worked for a nonprofit agency for about 17 years and did lots of different things. And that's where my degree really was so amazing because I could put myself in all these different areas. Um, I worked a lot in the prevention arena as well as addiction and um, really had the opportunity to work with people from all walks of life and different ages across the lifespan. So I, I really had an opportunity to. That and that was fantastic. Um, the last 10 years, I yes, I have my own business and I work as a private practitioner, private provider, um, <clears throat> and I do an incredible amount of trauma-based work. Uh, and I <clears throat> I am a certified EMDR therapist. And Dr. Price, if you've never heard of EMDR, you have got to promise me that you are going to go look up EMDR and really think about it because it is one of the best and most effective types of therapies that are out there, worldwide EMDR. Uh, very rapid results, incredibly powerful. And so I do a lot of trauma work using EMDR, and um, <clears throat> a lot of my population that I work with, in fact, are first responders. Um, this is a group of, of folks that don't get the support that they need in terms of um, you know, just the trauma that they are exposed to. My husband is a firefighter, um, and so I know firsthand, personally, what he lives with and what he's exposed to. Um, and so that's a that's a big part of my practice. And I also, you know, do I'm an instructor for mental health first aid. So. That's the first part of your question, right? Listen, I'm impressed. And for the record, we work with the shirt. We we. We work with the sheriff's department here, and so I am very well of EMDR because we work with their trauma, their emergency response, and their crisis intervention here. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and I do love it. You know, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, the, and I don't know that I obviously could use a lot more exposure to it, but I am aware of its, its growing popularity and widespread use. Now, my second question, you know, you remember the second question? This is not a test. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you remember, but you can say it again. I will say it again because, you know, we had a lot going on there. I wanted to know that from your professional history, your experience and observation, what would you say would be the predominant reason or cause for the widespread mental health and increasingly widespread mental health uh, condition that we have today in our country, for starters, and perhaps in the world. Like, what changed? What's the trigger? I know, right? Um, I, 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 I,
had any kind of turmoil, I'm telling you, you weren't going to get hired. If they found out, you got fired. Because they felt like, I don't know if they thought you were going to, well, you know, the post to go and post some big kind of scare people a little bit. But, you know, but still, you know, they scare people. But, but you're right, those are real issues. I want to take, uh, just uh, allow some of the people here in our audience, uh, particularly those who are in the field and who are ministers here doing what they do and others are in training, I'd like to see let them get their questions answered because you're such a good, articulate professional. We want to get what we can get out of you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today, Don. I really appreciate your comment. Uh, I have a mother that used to be a social worker who quit the field due to soul overload of the burden of just dealing with all of the things with the people. How do organizations make themselves, what do you suggest that organizations do to make themselves safer for helpers to say that they need help? The way you uh, you need to take care of your staff. Your staff are your most. I worked in an agency for 17 years, and sadly, I didn't leave because of the clients. I left because of the unhealthy climate of the staff, sadly, as well as administration. And I think you know, first and foremost, you've got to take care of your workers. Like that's where the burnout comes from. If you don't value them and you don't take care of them, that's where they're going to end up leaving. Um, but you have to send a message. If you if you tell clients who are coming in the door that it's okay and you sh- they should be asking for help, then you have to send a message to your staff, your people in the trenches, that you value you know you value them getting help for themselves, and you encourage it, and you don't penalize them for getting help, mental health help, um, and that it's it's just a part of the infrastructure of the system. Thank you. That's a very good question. Hi, Don. Thank you for being with us today. Um, I guess I have um, a second part to what we've already been asked, which even as a professional in you can be- you guys? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Okay. Can you hear me? I can now. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, my, my question would be, what would be your professional recommendations um, um, to speak to additional another professional um, in in speaking to how do they balance their own self care so that they do not experience that burnout or they do not carry that overload and it balances them um, between their own life and the population they serve. Excellent question. So um, I get asked that a lot after 27 years in the field. And uh, one of my, one of the other things that I do is I'm a professor, an adjunct professor at a local community college, and so I teach very new uh, students coming into the human service field. And you know, we talk about burnout. We talk about the start of your career. You know, everybody's excited and gung ho. I'm going to go out. I want to save the world. I want to help people. Um, one very important thing that is so critical that I talk with new professionals about is uh, their own therapy. It is absolutely insane that if you 
are going to be a therapist, a counselor, a social worker, somebody in this field, you have never done your own therapy, that is not healthy. So the one way for self-care is that you do your own work. You take care of your own business. You clear out, you know, some of your own things in your own personal life. You make sure you do your own professional work. I always say the sign of a good therapist or counselor is somebody that does their own therapy, gets their own therapy with another clinician. And the other thing I talk about is you have to unplug, right? You have to, you know, self-care is about not living and breathing this work, this job. You do it professionally, but you have to have healthy boundaries. Um, doing things that have nothing to do with the profession, um, surrounding yourself with um, healthy energy, healthy people, healthy practices. And that can be exercise, um, which I do a lot of because I release a lot of things out of my body and out of my brain when I, when I exercise. Um, and just healthy relationships, not toxic, not drama, and get off social media. That's way less time on social media. I mean, those are the things I would be encouraging folks um, to stay healthy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think, I think those are really good. We are running out of time um, because I, so I had time for one more question. Was that you, Pastor? I saw up before or her. I'm saying, okay, I saw a hand. <laughs> Um, hi, my name is Brittany. Uh, I'm a teacher, and I wanted to know when you talk about like, mental health first aid and things like that, looking at the climate uh, of schools and things that kids are going through and some of the violent acts and different things that, that kids are experiencing, how, how do you think that today's America can better help students?
100% that we need to do that. But I think parents need to be included in that educational development process where you can tell them you don't have to get into these kinds of things. You don't have to let envy run you to the point that you become abusive to other people or your insecurities. Those are real. And I think that if they're taught young along with what the school would teach, then that, that, that says a lot. But to me, I think that would go a long way as far as a healthy collaboration for the child's emotional, mental well-being. And then we also need to distinguish emotional from mental because we, we mental people think mine. And as far as parents are concerned, he's getting A's in school, he's getting a scholarship. I mean, there's nothing wrong with my kids. What are your thoughts on that? Dr. Price, I didn't hear the last part. I'm sorry. The, the connection cut out. Hang on it. But anyway, we're running out of time anyhow, so I think we've done a, you, you've done an amazing job, Donna. I hope that we can get your guest. When are you coming?
Did you all enjoy that? Yeah. It's rich. We need that. We, and we need to be connected. It's like that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 